And welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. We are the host. I am Steve. He is Wally. He is David. Before I toss it over to the boys, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbees.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. It's only been a couple days, boys. Got the March Madness going, conference tournaments at least. But how's the how's the week been so far? It's been a long week. Uh, but it's been a good week. You brought up March Madness. Ohio State was 13 and 18 entering the Big Ten tournament. And now they're in the quarterfinals when they've been dog shit for two and a half months. They decide to start playing basketball now. So go figure. They'll enjoy it. Maybe get uh, an invite they can decline from the CBI. Otherwise, the two other thoughts I had I wanted to get going here with Awesome uh, news. My parents are actually going to the Kentucky Derby, and I'm so jealous because I've always wanted to go. You get the basically dress ridiculous, but look good while doing it, and it's an excuse to. So I've always wanted to do it, so I'm really hyper jealous of them. And then there was something else. I can't remember now, so I'll ask you guys how you're doing, and I'm sure I'll just say it randomly when it pops back into my head. So how are you guys doing? I'm doing great, but I think you should just master your mint julep game dress up at home and like hit the gambling apps because it's the same concept just not in person right like all that is now available right on your couch you're right and see there's a fun backstory and i gotta get a approval from the family member that's happened but a certain person that may have been responsible for my birth has a story about getting arrested for mooning a cop like 30 or 40 years ago at the Kentucky Derby. But again, I won't tell that story. I'll, I'll ask my dad first if he's okay with it. But hey, but he, all right, that dude's going to be the sheriff. That dude's going to be the sheriff and be like, I know that man. I yeah, told it's you like never a throwback come back. movie. That son of a bitch, he came back. I told him he couldn't. I told <laughs> him he wouldn't be here. He's going he's gonna to sit there like, oh my God. Is that that Lukashenko boy? He's here. <laughs> he's near. Speaking of he's here, it's the Ron Swanson. Steven, you're rocking a little Sebastian sweater right now. You'll check it out at home on the clips. Looking great. And David, is that that magic juice, the $300 juice you're sipping on right now? No, oh. it's just Angel's Envy. Oh, yeah, it's just another, just another great, great brown liquor. Yeah, it's always good for the, for the old uh, liver. So I can't really say much. I got my own little, got to represent Pottsville when you can, sitting right next to me. So it's going to be a fun episode, boys. I love how committed you are to just the Yinzer lifestyle over there. It you shows see, him. It shows me is right. It's just it's ingrained. <laughs> it's like not a, like the icy light. I'll I'll own. It sucks. I drink it because I'm like support my town. But I love Yingling. Like I just genuinely love Yingling. Fair enough. I, I like it like in this time of the year, but you're you're throwing them back in the middle of summer. That is too much for me. That's the icy light and bumbleberry ter- or bumbleberry territory, which is up by you, David. The uh, what? That's right off of 480. Fat I want to say fatheads. Yeah, dude, icy light. That's just piss water. Drink natural light. At least that's just water. This no. isn't a, a ringing endorsement. I understand where I'm saying this, and I can already hear how bad it is in my head. But one of my favorite things to do with Icy Light is if you have something like jerky, it's like a performance-enhancing drug. Because to <laughs> your point, it's like water. So you have a bite of jerky, 
and you can throw back like six ounces of the beer. It's a real quick way on a Sunday afternoon watching like a Pirates game to find out yourself buckled at 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> well, how, how else are you supposed to watch Pirates games? Hey, they're going to be uh, 75 and 89 this year. Write it down. Great team. Clip that. <laughs> Hold them to that. Well, I guess it's impossible because it'd be 75 and 87. Keep that, though, because 75 and 87, book it. Find your, your sports ninth. book. Futures bet. I am printing you money. It is at like 68, 69 and a half. If you want to just put $100, come back to it in October, and all of a sudden it's $190, that's Wally. It's the bank of Wally right there. Yeah, you have such a great endorsement after the season you had with us. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I deserve that. I deserve that. Oh, getting but this is a baseball. Open the pod. You love to see it. <laughs> this is a baseball podcast now, so I'm undefeated this year. No, it's it's not. It is not. I will say, it is a sad day in my life. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to be, but Jim Beheim, the legendary, the godfather of Syracuse, retiring after an upsetting loss in the ACC tournament. Big shocker compared to what it's been like the last few years. Let me tell you how depressed I am. I never got to go see him up in, up at the Dome, which I never really wanted to. Syracuse is a shithole city. I know I've said this on here before. And if you don't believe me, like, it's like, oh, everyone has bad parts. This is the bad part. It is all bad. But RIP to a legend, even though he's not dead. He's just off the bench, but he's dead. The kitty hitting his car is dead, bench. though. Yes, the kitty hitting the in the in the car is dead he's actually very much dead yeah all right Peter so again. sorry my sorry my ex-coach he'll always be my coach is a cold-blooded murderer and gets away with it you can't what you think anyone on Syracuse PD was gonna put that dude in cuffs no well I had to ask you guys right away yesterday too and that's another thing I start too many sentences with well you guys at home keep track and make fun of me bully me into stopping to do that but you guys are diehard Syracuse Orange basketball fans, the two of you. I'm outnumbered here. And that's why I texted you right after it happened. I got to imagine one of those unique and rare situations where you have such a legend in your sport that you don't want to ever force him out. But at the same time, you're ready for him to go. And you almost wish you could go back in time and have him leave after that final four run, even if it meant they got shellacked in his final game against UNC. With him, I feel like he announced he was going to retire like five, six years ago. I always expected it, but then it never happened until now. And I feel like since the Michael Carter Williams class, there has just been no recruiting for Syracuse. There's just been so minimal talent coming into that program, and then they survive based off of quality coaching and the two-three zone. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Stephen disagrees with me, but I just I feel like the last six-ish years has just been watching recruiting die, and the program just stays steady because Bayheim's a phenomenal coach, and and it's why I we said it off pod, but it's why I liken it to the Mac Brown at Texas situation where Mac Brown was still recruiting well but his coaching was terrible they couldn't win games for a period of time it was just the um, inverse yeah and so it's I I just liken it to that because Mac Brown was he was phenomenal for 
God, felt like 20 plus years. I don't even think it was that long, but it felt like that. But then he, be, then all of a sudden it was just a, a huge drop off. And so you got it. He, he got forced out. That's, that's another situation, right? But like Bayheim, the last five, six years have just felt like a huge drop off in recruiting. It feels like the program needs a refresh, but it scares me because Syracuse has been a, most of the time, a contender over the last 20 years. And I just, if they don't go in the right direction, where do they end up for the next 10 years, right? It kind of seems almost like Bayheim was forced out because they went from an interview, like his post-game interview after the Wake Forest loss from, I don't know, it's really, it weighs on the school f- for the decision. For 20 minutes later, I'm seeing like Syracuse social media posting, thanks, thanks Coach Bayheim, and then welcoming, welcoming Coach Entry now who has been on the, you know, on the staff and around Syracuse for like the last 30 years, maybe not collectively, but I know he's been on the staff because all of his coaching staff are former players for the most part. So I hope my man, Jerry McNamara gets to stay on the staff, but it's kind of like this will be a hindsight decision because if they suck five years down the road, if they're like consistently not getting better, then I'm going to be like, like the Georgetown Hoyas is basically what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, then keep, then just keep behind and let that, like I just had this conversation with my buddy Dylan from back home because he's also a Syracuse fan. So that's what we bonded on a lot growing up because we went through a lot of heart, heart-wrenching games that we got our hearts ripped out of but it's like if we're gonna suck down the road why not keep behind that dude that dude is ready to die on the sidelines yelling at one of his players just, just let him or like even obviously take away the bernie or not the birdies um bernie was for us but take away what happened at penn state and like joe kind of got pushed out right obviously that's he wouldn't have gotten pushed out if that never came out but i feel like it's almost like that because literally a year later jim Beheim had a similar story come out and he didn't really get pushed out. He had a lot of NCAAs that took away his thousand wins, but that man got back onto it. Not to go back and drag into a, a not fun conversation, but look at the Penn state student reaction to the Joe Paul news. They surrounded the guy's house. I remember being at school. We were all freshmen in college at that point where we're watching a bunch of these Penn state, 18, 19, 20 year olds, like it didn't matter what happened you're ours joe pa we don't want to let you go and for better or worse when you get to this like godlike level that some of these coaches do at certain programs it can be a, a very awkward exit it's very seldom that you get a like off into the sunset like coach k was probably as close as you can say and it was hardly a sunset i'm i just turned 30 Officially, next basketball season will be my first season without Jim Bayheim as my Syracuse basketball head coach. And he was there 47 17, years? 17 years prior to my 47. That is why. Like, what were your parents doing 47 years? Well, your dad was sitting in the back of a cop car for mooning somebody. That's or true. some a family member. Sorry. So I know I don't know where you're Oh, yeah, was. yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, a person in my family. Allegedly. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> But I mean, it's wild. And while I'm while I'm on this conversation, I've had it out, but I want to get it on recording. Not a woe is me type deal, but it's officially now the end of my dynasty slash heartbreaking sports era. Between the Packers and Syracuse, all I've known is Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and Jim Beheim. And Aaron Rodgers will be traded, I th- I think, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. But 
that's all gonna this is all new territory for me this is just especially coming from your points of view you guys are probably like sitting there just like grinding something like oh i'm so sorry steve it's bad but it's just now i'm i'm joining i'm i'm officially let me cut my hand blood brothers let's get this over with no i'm not i'm not doing that because <laughs> my era my era of that was cleveland with lebron and jim Beheim when the biggie still existed at its prime Dude, there was nothing was and i will i will hammer this home there was nothing more dominant in any sport than the Big East Conference in basketball from like the early to mid 2000s until they broke, until they force broke up in, God, what was that, like 2015, 2016? Yeah, it was, I think it was, it was right before I moved up to Columbus because I was pissed because who's in the ACC, uh, North Carolina State, UNC, and Duke, all all three teams, 15 minutes within my house. And I'm like, cool, guess I'll just go up to Columbus and never see them. Thank God for the Big Ten ACC um, tournament they have every year. But yeah, to your point, like there's so many, there's so many good games, like being biased, the six overtime game against UConn, really any game against UConn or Georgetown. Oh, that was the Johnny Flynn game, right? Eric Devendorf, baby. It was Devendorf? Was was Flynn on the team too? I, th- I want to say Flynn was on, but that was like the Devendorf thought he hit it at the buzzer and he was sitting on the scorer's table going uh, ape shit. And then, but those teams were to your point, Dave, the last six years has been rough outside of like that final four run. We had it and got blown up by Syracuse, but from like 2000, at least we remember, like we'll barely remember Oh three. Like I, I will vividly or like kind of remember it, but like dude, Oh six to 16, we were just fucking dominant. You're not scoring more than 40. We're going to drop 80 on you, and you're never going to see it. And then you know what? We're going to fucking choke to Vermont. In the well, don't, don't forget, the only teams we're going to lose to are 10 and 10, Seton Hall and St. John's. because St. John's, East, oh, oh, and Providence. This, yeah, because the Big East was just so strong. You had Pittsburgh, Villanova, Syracuse. You had the worst teams. The, was MSG, there when they were yeah, too. the MSG Big East tournaments back in the day were must-watch. And it's, it's a dead league Georgetown now. was good during that period, too. Boy Hibbert, baby. Yeah, you had so many teams. And the worst, teams, the worst teams in the conference were Providence, uh, Seton Hall, and St. John's. And you were fearful of playing them because they were upset city every time. Every Providence time they always beat Syracuse city. every fucking time. Well, and I hated Syracuse. Just And that's like how, a testament to how good they were. It's not a shot at like anybody like you guys particular. It was probably a shot at David. David probably without a doubt like helped me not like Syracuse much of the same way that I probably helped him not like Ohio State even more than he already did. So I get it. But I I, I just that was a just an unreal era that we got to watch. And it just makes it almost more disappointing that we didn't get to say goodbye to him 10 years ago when it could have just been a like almost storybook write-off instead of it's almost like what we're seeing in the NFL. And I, this is an NFL podcast, but Bill Belichick, you worry about him going out in a similar way now where people are starting to call into question if the league is catching up to him. And if the team is not in the, I guess in the right hands at coordinator positions, which directly falls on Belichick. Do you guys want to skip our question today since we went on for 20 minutes there? You guys want to go for it anyways? I'm down, but I have a fun story. Let's hear it. 
So I went to the final four 2013 down in Atlanta. That's when I was going. This is right after Syracuse. David, if you remember, I, I deem it as the worst comeback loss of my sports life. Syracuse was up like 14. Nah, they were up like 16 or 17 to Louisville with nine minutes left and then lost the game by like 12. It was the worst thing ever. But anyway, they end up going on to the um, going down to the final four. And speaking of St. John's, that's why I was that's why I was um, I was saying this. We're just sitting outside. There's a free concert that they have there. It's like Ludacris, Macklemore when he was big, Bob, all these guys. They wouldn't let us in because we had beer. They're like, no, we can't let you in. But you can stand right around that corner right there on that fence and drink all of it and watch this. We're like, all right, cool. We're definitely not just 19, so I can do that. Did that. Here comes a St. John's coach just walking by, Coach Lavin. I remember like, Coach Lavin, Coach Lavin, you guys are the men. He's like, hey, He's like, good luck to you boys today. What a guy. But a Final Four atmosphere, it's, it's so unique. It's so much more attainable than going to a Super Bowl, at least in my mind. You said that was in – I think you and I were talking earlier. It was that in Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. So the final four, it was Louisville. It was Louisville, Wichita state. And was that Michigan, at the Fox arena? Syracuse. Yes. Okay. So that was before they really started doing the, the fun, like football stadium atmospheres. It was still an intimate arena setting. Yeah, then you go out and walk the streets of Atlanta to get back. And then I walked down the street that the bowling ball was rolled down and uh, snow on the bluff. If you guys ever watched that. Explain to me like I'm five years old what that is. <laughs> snow? Do, do you know what it is, David? No, but I so just snow- love that wall. He's like, explain to me like I'm an idiot. That's just his automatic. He doesn't even like give it a second. He's like, mm, not not registering. Run that back, but slower. Yeah, it's not um, there. So the point of it is like this, this dude gets a hold of like these random people's camera and just takes it around the hood of Atlanta. And it's, and it's just fucking hysterical. Just people just doing hood rat shit. Okay. I'll have to keep my eye out. I think his name was Curtis snow. He'd be snow on the bluff and he's just rolling around. I'd watch it. It's a fun watch. Okay. I'll have to try to remember that. Uh, And if you don't, you're racist. You're right. That's true. That's true. Uh, I'll I'll have to definitely watch that then, because now I have uh, my reputation on the line. I got two things, right? So let's hear it. My favorite while we're while we're on the topic of Jim Beheim, right? My absolute favorite story. But before I get to it, Wally, did you know Jim oh. Beheim was offered the job at Ohio State basketball in 1986 and explicitly turned it down? I have to know the reasoning because if you said he explicitly turned it down, he had to have given a reason, right? Just to stay at Syracuse. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. I can at least, I can I at least swallow that. I just want you to know it could have been there. It could have been Ohio State instead of Syracuse. Yeah, well, you, could right. two, you could have had a two-three zone turn into nothing. <laughs> you think I'd rather have that than going fifteen and eighteen? My team's alive in the quarterfinal. We're a basketball school. <laughs> no, but. But actually, though, in all honesty, my favorite story of Jim Beheim, which I wasn't even alive for, but this is how well I know Jim Beheim. Patrick Ewing was playing for Georgetown in, I want to assume, the early 80s, but I don't actually know the right year. It was Georgetown, Syracuse. And somebody, so so racial slurs at, it's it was it was at Syracuse, and racial, racial slurs were being thrown around at Patrick Ewing. And then somebody threw an orange at Patrick Ewing mid-game. And Jim Beheim 
I believe, stopped the game, got on the microphone, looked at the crowd and said, if you continue, I will forfeit this game. Okay, that's awesome. I yeah. never heard that. All-timer. Jim Beheim's an all-time Legend. human being. All-time. Well, I mean, again, unless you're the kid that got hit by the car. But besides that, okay. all-time. We I don't acknowledge that as a real event. In it didn't history. happen. It doesn't happen if you're from upstate New York. David, if you've ever heard this story, like him and uh, Rick Matino are really good friends. So him and him and the wives used to go on like trips in the off season together. And apparently with Lemon Pepper Lou, I got to where this is going. No, the vampire. Oh, I thought Rick Patino was involved. It, it had to involve some kind of like strip joint or something, but that's fine. Carry on. <laughs> so no, it's mafia. They get escorts. They're, they're a little bit better than that. They're a little better. Uh, but they're somewhere like the Gabagool. But there's some, they were somewhere nice, like I want to say like Italy, just somewhere beautiful. And it's, you know, weather's warm, they're in the water, they're hanging out, and they're like, God, they're like, where would you want to live if you didn't want to, you know, live somewhere? They're listing off all these beautiful places, and Jim Beheim's just like, honestly, I don't really see what this is any different than Syracuse in the summertime. Like, I would, I love Syracuse, I'd rather live in Syracuse. <laughs> and apparently, all three of them, his wife, uh, Bettino and his and Bettino's wife, all three just got up and left him. Well, I mean, it's not like Patino's going anywhere specially. What with the Louisville and Kentucky, so it's not exactly like he was living in some prime real estate himself. He That's coached, right. I, didn't he coach the Italian national team after I don't know, he got fired I don't know if was from Italian, but I know he went to Europe and coached, and now he's back somewhere else, like low end. Iona, baby, the Gales go Galers. How many? So I I love Jim Beheim. So I'm just gonna extend this for the rest of the podcast as long as possible. We're done. But, we're done after this. Like yeah, we're calling 100. So this Steven, is a, this, this uh, is Jimmy B. How many times do you think Beheim went one less than 20 games in a season in his 40 plus year career? I would say like maybe six. Just well, because counting like, this year, of course. This year, the last three or four, he hasn't hit it. And I want he to say maybe it in one the last four that. years. Okay. So, and then two before that, I'll say. So, six. so it's 14 total times. And that's still crazy. It's 10 out of 43 years of his first 43, then. Three of those seasons. 47. Were, that's why I said the, of his first 43. We got each other. Three of those seasons, I believe he was either suspended or out with ailments because he only, he was only credited with. 19 total games in three of those seasons were they ever hit with like recruiting violations or something they were um oh cheater too unbelievable 14 or something like that wasn't he logged out 2012 wow what kind of (laughs) dude it was i remember that that was it was something about like uh the students gpa or like them not attending class something like mellow it was the fab mellow stuff wasn't it yeah, that's right. So he, yeah, he wasn't like attending. It was, it was something academic that was. I, so I, why, I remember yeah, that name. He had like a he, reality. He had like a one-one GPA, but he was getting like all C's in classes. But was, he was a walking double-double. But now he's was he a five-five or like a five-star person or something? Because I remember that name. I just Fat can't. Fat Mello was a player. was a probably the like the third best center in basketball for. And it, it was a huge drop off between one and two, but it was, or between two and three, but he was like the third best. Okay. I remember that ball. name. I he just was, can't he place was, him. He would get you 11 points and 12 rebounds every game. 
and it was fine. He looked bad doing it. Yeah, I mean, it was fine because he was doing it, but it it was not pretty. He's Stevens, right? It was bad, but that because was also he, he came in with so much praise because that was like right after the, like the Renziana Walkers or like the Rick Jacksons or Rakeem Christmas, and then they're like, "Well, oh yeah, God, Rakeem Christmas, what a legend!" It's he a, a guy that stayed. If if you went to Syracuse and you got a sniff, hey, we think you're gonna be a mid round second, uh, mid second round pick next year. They're like, "Cool, peace." And Rakeem right. Chris is like, I'm just chilling all four years, man. I, I'm, I'm six ten. They, they don't got room for me in the league. The people at home listening, I assure you, if you feel like me, where you're just like, I walked into a, a conversation that I, I have no business being in. That's where I, I'm like, oh yeah, you guys go ahead. I don't know shit that's going on right now. The only word Wally knew there was Christmas. Yeah, it was like, oh Mary. <laughs> yeah, I love that girl. She's crazy. So with that, story time's wrapped up. Come on. We're not we're done taking naps. Let's roll up the sleeping bags. Let's get into some NFL news. The reason we are here, even though it is the Jim Bayheim episode. Franchise tag players. We had a couple that came. Hey, whoa, whoa. Two thumbs uh-uh. down. As Kevin would say in the office. Two office references under the radar today. Three. All right. Plus the NFL uh, news before Wally gives me cancer with puns. The Lamar, yeah, thank God he's muted. Lamar I've Jackson got a problem. Ends up, Lamar Jackson gets, I want to, the exclusive franchise tag. Non-exclusive. Here, non-exclusive. The non-exclusive. <laughs> Man, this fucking guy. Uh, it's been a day. The non-exclusive franchise tag goes to the, the quarterback here. That's going to be on the tag for 32.4 milli. Now, this does have give him the ability to shop for his own contract with other teams. Yet, Baltimore is the team that can match it. Or if they don't match it, and they do allow him to get the contract to get like for two first round picks. I'm confused about that one. Am I right? I want to just basically say, David, you did a almost little Ted talk for Steven and I yesterday. Can you explain? And then we're going to ask a few questions because as far as the money and the financial stuff for the NFL goes, this is more tricky to me than almost any other league, how it goes. Can you explain why teams are so quickly out on him. The word collusion is thrown around. Can you try to give us a feeling of what's actually happening here? Absolutely. And so I can't prove any of this, but I can give you like a a reasonable, here's what's really happening. And I might be proven right. I might be proven wrong eventually. Who knows? But for me, this is pure bliss of a situation, right? And it's it's a double win for the Ravers, for the Raiders, for the Ravens. In any way you look at it, one, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. So what that means is the Ravens have now set this pile of negotiate our contract for us. And, oh, by the way, Lamar, you're going to be doing it with 20 teams, hypothetically, right? But that's not what it's turned out to be. These teams have all said, you know what? We're out on this discussion because this guy wants $250 million fully guaranteed and we're just not going to do it. And the owners in the NFL are absolutely colluding about this, but it's it, it's mostly for the right, reven, right reasons and some for the wrong. So the reason I say that is the owners are colluding because most of them can't afford a fully guaranteed contract. And what that means is, is in order to, to do a fully guaranteed contract this large, that long, 
So like the Deshaun Watson contract, for instance, what is it? Two thirty million over six years, five years? Is it five years? Well, sorry, I made my my screen small so I couldn't get to it. <laughs> it's six years, but the first year was one million, so effectively it turned into a five year, two hundred and twenty nine million dollar deal. Right. Okay. So. Let's just say it's five years, 230, just for the sake of rounding. And I'll remember that, right? Because I'm a big idiot. So in order to have $230 million fully guaranteed, the owner needs to put all of that money in an escrow account. And for those of you who don't know what an escrow account is, it's basically a legal holding account that the money is going to be drawn from. And that's the way it's guaranteed. Because any other way, if you don't have that money, that $230 million up front, it's not guaranteed. So where you're not going to give $230 million to somebody up front in one check, you're going to put it all in this escrow account. And then every month or every year, it's going to be drawn from for whatever specific amount you agreed to. But that's how you work a fully guaranteed contract that large over that much time. And so the issue is, is most owners can't afford to pull $250 million in cash and put it into account for a player. Sure, you can you can hit me with the oh, but they're all billionaires. It's like, yes, but they're all most of them are low billionaires. And I have no problem. All billionaires could go poor and I wouldn't feel bad. But what I'm saying is, is most of those billionaires have all of that net worth tied into a business that was handed to them via nepotism or the team that was handed to them via nepotism. So they don't have hard cash. It's just right. in things. Right. And so, you know, they have $30 million cash easily, right? They have a lot of money, money anyone would be envious of, right? But look at say, and I'll, I'll hammer this home because I hate Paul Dolan. But if you look at the Dolan family, if you look at Paul Dolan, he is, he bought, he is a billionaire because the Indians have appreciated in value from 300 million when he bought them to well over a billion dollars. He had, he's only worth like 2 billion and, and half of that is because of the Indians appreciation and value. And he was handed a business and wealth to get to that status to buy the Indians. So there isn't, he's not worth enough money to fully guarantee a contract like that up front. Like he can't pull $230 million of cash unless he sells off stake in the team or stake in the business. And that's how- Can most... I ask you a question real quick yeah, before absolutely. I forget? So while we're talking about this too, so you think it's more of the fact that this is like a sixth to 10th best quarterback in a league that you're asking for the guarantee? Like if this was- the top guy, more owners would be willing to, or is this? Did Pat Mahomes even have a fully guaranteed contract? No, he like, didn't. No. And That's it's what like, I thought. This would be opening Pandora's box, if I understand it correctly. And that's what yeah, the fear is for owners. It's it's two-sided. If Pat Mahomes, if this was Pat Mahomes, he'd have a $300 million fully guaranteed contract in a heartbeat, right? Because he's worth it. And you can make... You don't want to open Pandora's box, like you said, as the ownership group, you don't want to make fully guaranteed contracts a thing because suddenly if you make fully guaranteed contracts a thing, owners can't afford, most owners can't afford to compete for the best players. But on the other hand, you're looking at 
the cap and you're going, okay, well, I can't afford to fully guarantee the whole roster. So the contracts I'm going to put out there are going to go down. And in the short run, a full like opening Pandora's box of fully guaranteeing contracts might actually hurt the value of the market for players. But that being said, long-term, it's obviously better for the players. I support it. What have you, if you can't afford to own the team, don't own the team. But this is why it's a combination of Lamar Jackson being the 10th to 12th best quarterback in the NFL, asking for the best contract in NFL history. And oh, by the way, he only played 12 games last year. Oh, by the way, only played 15 out of 17 games the year before that. Oh, by the way, he's a running quarterback who doesn't play like Deshaun Watson, where he's a running quarterback, but has a really good arm and really good skill set from, from the pocket. He's a running quarterback who's he's Falcons, Mike Vick. Yeah. He's, he's bottom half of the NFL in, in actual passing, like in the ability to throw the ball and hit targets, he's bottom half of the NFL. And that's not saying that's why Mark Andrews is a fucking pro bowler. Right. When's, like, the, not, when's the last time a Ravens running or wide receiver had a Pro Bowl? That's a question. I'm going to look that up. I mean, I, my guess is Anquan Bolden. My guess is Steve Smith while he was there. But oh, I that might be better than mine. Damn it. I, but here's the thing. It's not that I don't think Lamar doesn't have the ability to throw. It's that realistically, talent at quarterback has gotten so high that he's just bottom half from throwing the football. And in this day and age, if you don't have an elite quarterback, especially in the AFC, you don't even sniff the Super Bowl, right? Well, now. well, before we get too go like far ahead of ourselves and talking about like the contract and the player and all that, I have a, like I've had questions for days and I've done research and I have a better understanding, but I'm begging either of you to jump in if you can like answer these questions for me. So for for instance, NHL escrow is like notoriously bad because it's like a CBA agreed upon thing where the league owners get 50% of the revenue and players get 50% and players have a percentage of their money go into escrow before the year. Just God forbid, if TV and sales aren't high enough, it comes out of the players contracts to get back to 50, 50 and NHL has had lockout after lockout for similar reasons because of this. So this is the first time I'd ever heard of NFL escrow and I think it's because typically the owners are more wealthy than other league sports. And from my understanding, the NFL escrow, the money that the only money that goes in there is guaranteed money. So a regular base salary, these owners don't care because they're like, I'll pay him like over the course of the year. It's slow liquidation opposed to putting 150 because it's the full contract that's guaranteed. So it's $229 million of the Haslam's money is in escrow right now. Whereas Derek Carr, for instance, he just signed a four year, something about $150 million deal, but it's like 55, 60 million. That's all that's in escrow. There's another 90 million that the saints owners have not actually Put in escrow, it's just in their back. It pocket. might not even be that. So the beauty, the beauty of what the NFL has done historically is that most of your guaranteed money was a check the minute you signed it. So that signing bonus is like guaranteed money for Derek Carr. So when what is he on a one million dollar base salary this it's year? It's very low. Right. So so if he got 60 million guaranteed, 
and his signing bonus was 40 million. That is 40 of that 60 is the guaranteed money. They might have wrote it off in the check one day. So only 20 million is sitting off an extra. That's, you know, they have to provide 60 million up front. You're absolutely right. But that might be a check that was written first day. And so historically in the NFL, that's how guaranteed money was given out is basically I signed a hundred million dollar contract, 20 million guaranteed. That 20 million was probably the first season check. And you didn't have to worry about this before. You mentioned before about how a lot of people believe that billionaires, like they have all this money where, and we're not pro owner, but at the same time, it's important to realize teams like the Raiders, teams like the Bengals, teams like the Steelers, they have owners like Mark Davis, Mike Brown, the Roonies, who are not going to even, like Mark Davis, his net worth was under $750 million until the team moved to Las Vegas. But because the team eval has gone up, it pushed his net worth up. But this is physically not a contract that Mark Davis could offer Lamar Jackson right now, even if he wanted Lamar Jackson. So the worry is that you would eventually, if you do start giving out these guaranteed deals, that you're going to get to almost like a major league baseball level disparity where the teams like the Broncos who have Walmart money, teams like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, another mega owner. I think uh, the... For instance, I think the Ravens owner, Biscotti, Steve Biscotti, he's worth $6.4 billion. That's another five, $6 billion with a B ahead of Mark Davis and these other guys. And that's where you're going to start getting into the fear. So the three contracts that have been talked about, guaranteed, that people know about is Kirk Cousins. And that was very contentious when it came out. Owners were pissed that the Vikings were willing to do it. You have Deshaun Watson, who got his last year from an owner that can afford to do it, understood it. It's a competitive advantage for the Browns. And now Lamar wants it. The thing that intrigues me is the three quarterbacks I mentioned, and this isn't a shot at Deshaun Watson on the field. These aren't top five quarterbacks. None of the three are at least top five quarterbacks that are getting this money. I think that there's an unspoken collusion, the Ruxin from the league collusion of like the fear that if if we start doing this now, I'm going to have to sell the team or the team is going to fall through the floor. Do you, like do we have any other thoughts? Because I, like I I'm trying to figure this out. And I feel so like at the beginning of understanding. I have no thoughts because I think David bring brain this enough. Um, I can't dumb it down anymore. I don't want to add any more stupidity because I don't have anything good yeah, except for this, except for this know. tidbit, <laughs> except for this tidbit. If you guys saw me kind of just making some faces here, the Ravens have had three wide receivers make the pro bowl. I don't think either of them Wait, have you made mean the ever? pro bowl as a wide receiver though. What you mean ever, ever. Three receivers ever in the program. Three receivers ever. I'm looking at their history. Jermaine Lewis in 1998 and in 2001, both for – He had a monster game against the Jaguars. I want to say he might have been the first guy to clear 300 yards or close to it for receiving in a year. Maybe it was over 250. Maybe that was what it was. It might have – everything – the first thing that pops up for his stats are his kick returning. Okay. 
So in 98, he at least almost, he had 784 yards. But like in 2001, when he went, he had four receptions for 32 yards. Like obviously oh he God, went for yeah. special teams. Maybe, maybe he went. The next one, Jacoby Jones. You know he went in as a return specialist. Absolutely. And their most recent, which back-to-back Pro Bowls, Devin Duvernay, who was also going to be going for special teams. I don't think maybe Jermaine Lewis was because he had that. He actually had a solid season back then. What in 98, almost hit 800 yards. I think that's solid. So I'll, we'll give him that. Be, and it's not even a hundred percent true, but if it is, let's say it is, they've had at zero to one pro bowl receiver in their history. Wow. Yes. Players have gone to the pro bowl at the wide receiver position, but as return specialists, so they're special team pro bowlers. Jermaine Lewis in 1998 is the only one. Well, that is wild. Justice for Anquan and justice for Steve Smith. Yeah, well, I know Steve Smith tore his Achilles the one year. and But, I, dude, I he has one of my favorite mic'd up clips ever. Oh, man. he It's right after Carolina. Oh, I'd have to look at it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you'll have to look that up while – because I want to hear David's final thoughts on this because I threw a lot back at him, and I don't know if he has anything for me because, again, I'm spitballing. I don't know this for a fact. I'm just trying to understand this as much as everybody else. Well, I, I don't know for a fact either. I just, you know. Yeah, but NFL, you're the smart money guy here, so I, I'm asking <laughs> well, you. It's as simple as the NFL doesn't want it to happen because it costs them more money. Not that they can't afford it. It's just a burden, Right. So but, but, but I'm an idiot. Can one other thing that I want your thoughts is the agent side of this. Lamar doesn't have an agent, and agents are basically teaming up and saying his requests are ridiculous, and they're going pro team because they don't want to have other players decide that they don't aren't needed. Is that a factor too? Well, it's a factor in Lamar can't. Here's the problem: if you have an agent, an agent has contacts with every team. They're negotiating with every team every day. These these teams might not automatically go out right away uh, like they have because they don't want to negotiate with a guy who doesn't want to actually negotiate, right? So you have an agent who maybe walks it down to $200 million fully guaranteed, and maybe you get a bite from somebody, right? But as long as that number's at two fifty, what's Lamar doing? Is Lamar spending all of his time, instead of rehabbing, instead of actually working at his craft, is he spending time on the phone with team reps? Like what I, I him not having an agent is, is cool in theory, really dumb in practice. And it, it, what, what does it save you? And with a guy like that, what does it actually save you? $10 million over the course of your career and you know maybe 20 million dollars over the course of your career 30 million and you're gonna you're trying to be a 300 million dollar athlete who cares like at at that at that price point for the amount of work ethic they're giving you and amount of ease of life that they're giving you you know you got to start thinking about about what's important and saving that kind of cash isn't important when you're making the upside you are and frankly, the amount of interest he'd have would probably be larger if they were dealing with professionals. And those professionals would probably be telling Lamar, look, if you hop off the fully guaranteed train, we can get you 75% of the way there. And that should be good enough. Really? Like, realistically, that should be good enough. But 
also, I'm not in the team's perspective. I hope every player gets a fully guaranteed yeah. contract in the NFL. I like I am a player forward guy. It might hurt the NFL short term. It might hurt the players short term with contract value, but I fully think it should be all guaranteed. If you're going to go and you're going to risk your life, literally risk your life playing football in some cases and, and risk your quality of life without a doubt. Well, especially this year. I mean, look what happened. It's it's right. like fresh in everybody's mind. Right. And so I, I, I'm all aboard the fully guaranteed train. I'm just saying it's not going to happen the way it's currently playing out. Frankly, that fully guaranteed contract that Haslam gave Deshaun Watson is going to pan out to be a phenomenal contract over the course of time if Deshaun Watson pans out TBD whatever I mean look what it's already doing but, to other teams right he is he is causing turmoil he is forcing you know a, his own division rival he's forcing them to potentially give up on a franchise quarterback and it is it's incredible it, it's it's not going to be the way of the future I know the NFL is going to lock down in their little gangster mob ownership group and and nip this right in the bud but it is going to be a problem for the next CBA. It's going to be a huge problem for the next CBA. This is a really good way to actually transition to the other player that was tagged, and that was Saquon Barkley on a transitional tag as well. And the reason I say that this is a good way to transition is because the Saquon franchise tag was not going to happen if Daniel Jones doesn't get a deal at the 11th hour. And Daniel Jones... Speaking of Lamar Jackson and where I can imagine teams would be frustrated and agents would be frustrated, he signs that four-year $160 million deal and everybody's up in arms about it. They all but guaranteed, it is fully guaranteed, his first two years of his salary is going to be like $84, 86000000 million. So he's getting $43 million, $42, something in that range, guaranteed for two years. And it's very similar to the Derek Carr structure after that where it's easy to get out of, but he has the ability to play himself into a massive contract on a guaranteed deal. And the Giants are getting all kinds of flack over what has happened. So let's start with you guys. So Saquon Barkley is on a very cheap franchise tag at 10.1. They were offering him $12 and $13 million during and after the season. So he will be at a discount for now. We'll see if he is back long-term. But then you also have the Daniel Jones deal where I know it's really cool right now. It's trendy to say it's a terrible deal, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Do you think it's as bad as people are making it out to be? Daniel Jones' contract is a story. It's a tale as old as time in the NFL. It just as we've gotten larger cap, it just looks larger and larger, right? It is a I could kiss you right now. I it's could a kiss two you. Year deal. It's a two-year deal. It's a tale as old as time. The NFL, this is why guaranteed, this is why they don't want guaranteed contracts, though. This is the reason, right? This is a two-year deal for Daniel Jones, where after two years, they can cut him and feel minimal pain. Feel minimal pain. So sure, it's like off, it's like me offering you 50 grand and say, you know, in over the first two years, you get 10. And then it's not guaranteed the rest of the way, right? Like I, it's, it's a joke. He gets, he's going to end up with, with 20% of this contract because they're going to cut him after two years. Cause he's one of the worst quarterbacks to ever make more than $75 million in the NFL history. He probably just, is the worst. 
Yeah, I just, you know, it, but it, it's a two-year trial. It's Sam Bradford. Car's contract. Derek Carr's contract's a two-year tryout, too. And you know what? It might be more than two years, but the way they structured it is they're either going to restructure after two years or cut him, and he's going to be a free agent again. And he's, you know, Derek Carr, as much as I love him, might end up like Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he just bounces around a little bit, but he's still a quality quarterback. And I, it's just, it's a tale as old as time. The, the Daniel Jones deal doesn't bother me at all. Cause if you really break it down again, it's two years where the giants are going to be locked in. And after that, they can cut, they can cut their ties, you know, 18 and, million, and 18 right. million dead cap after two years. That's nothing. We just saw Matt Ryan get the ax for 40 something million. Mm-hmm. 18 is nothing with this new cap. Right. And it's, and so, and it's nine mil following the year after that too. Great point. Right. Great. It's point. just drop. It's going to keep dropping. And frankly, if if the Giants aren't good in two years, it's you know so be it. Like draft another quarterback and move on. But this is a tryout for a team that just made the playoffs. It's not that bad. It, it, like if you're if that's who you're going to roll with, and then you're going to commit to drafting talent around him. Great. And to your point, what you mentioned earlier, they tagged Barkley on a great on a great tag, in my opinion, $10 million for tag him again next year, right? Tag him again next year. If you have to, or if he has a fall off, great. <laughs> See ya. Like nobody's going to trade for him in a running back market. That's saturated with talent already. I, I just think it's a great move for the giants and it sucks for Barkley. Cause he's probably never going to see that kind of money again. So might as well collect it this year and move on. Say you get Saquon long-term, but then you kind of load it up and it's maybe it's like a Nick Chubb type deal, right? Where it's like a three, four-year contract, like extension. It's team-friendly. It's player-friendly, but it works out, but you're able to get an out. In two years, if it doesn't work, guess what? Saquon shits the bed. Danny Dimes shits the bed. Okay, we're moving out. Let's steer our boat into a new direction of the franchise right into the draft. So I think that they're setting it up well. And on top of that, Danny Dimes, as far as I'm concerned, it is a pretty incentive based contract as well on top of that. Like, yeah, he's getting a lot of the guaranteed money, but that the rest of the money that he's able to make is going to be incentive based, which those are always interest me. Like, do they really make them that attainable? Do they really make them that much of a stretch? Or I guess it's your, you're going into your fifth year, Danny. Uh, I was hearing this a little bit earlier. Like that's when Eli's taken his, took his real big leap. 12 win season. He's going to the playoffs. Like you need to see something here in, to both of our point or to both of your guys' points, we haven't seen anything for him to be worth 40 mil a year. So I am extremely interested to see what he's going to do because the Giants have a lot of needs to fill at a linebacker position, at the offensive line position. They need they still need a bolster. Get let's get them a guard. Let's get them a center. They have no wide but receivers. They have not a singular wide receiver. And that's the other thing about Saquon. If I'm on Saquon's side, if you want to talk about player friendly. If I'm him, I'm not playing that contract. With my injury history, on top of playing at MetLife, for if they play the Jets, there's nine games. There's potentially 10 games at that stadium that you're playing any given year if you play the Jets. And guess what? That's an ACL tear waiting to happen. ACL tear. Here's my problem. Yeah, here's my problem, though. That's the thing. It's Le'Veon Bell tried to to work that shit out, and he ended up making half as much money the rest of his career as he could. And he wasn't the same guy either. Right. It's it's just play out the contract. 
If you're a running back, I'm sorry, you're screwed. He's going to get tagged again next year. That's what right. blows. Yeah. Well, right. play but like contract, if you're, if you're a running back in today's NFL, you're just screwed. You are because you are so replaceable. You're not valuable unless you are a top three back. And right now, Barkley isn't that guy. And I'm, I'm, I'll die on that hill. But like, unfortunately, take your 10.1 million. That's more than enough to survive the rest of life on, if you do it right. It's I. I you know, he's already made a couple million dollars in the NFL. He's going to get a couple million more dollars after this year, whether he's good or not, he'll continue to play. If you're a running back, you're just screwed. This isn't the nineties anymore. It's a dime a dozen for those guys now. Well, it's like you either play on this tag, you get hurt and you lose money. You play well on this tag. Then maybe you get a good contract, depending on he may, maybe what if he has a down year, then you're losing money on that contract. If he holds out, you're losing money on the like this. This dude can't win, and running backs can't win. There's no, no matter winning. Where you go. And I, and that's why they're so I'm greedy is a bad word, but that's why they're so enticed to get such large chunks because their shelf life is so slow. And I know I'm talking about the obvious, but if I'm okay, look at Tom Brady. That's a that's a one off, but just look at the way quarterbacks are now. I mean, Daniel Jones just got $40 double. million dollars a year for two years at least. Yes, and they and their and their lifespan is doubled in the NFL. Damn near. What, a, a prime running back start to finish nine years? Maybe. You have your Frank Gores here and there, your Adrian Peterson. Yeah, just unless you're a up. Hall of Famer. Unless you're a surefire Hall of Famer. You're, you're is Frank Gore a Hall of Famer? No. We're not going down this road. It's rock. a whole other world. Yeah, we're not going is, down this again. But what I'm saying is your shelf life, your average shelf life of running back is probably three years. If that, probably less than that, given the average NFL lifespan is less than three years. But if you get rid of the practice squad players and what off your whatnot, your average shelf life of running back is probably three to five years. In your prime, it's probably three consecutive years, unless you're a surefire Hall of Famer. And then you're probably looking at your Adrian Peterson's at nine, 10 years in their prime, and then a massive drop off. Or like my guy, Eddie Lacy. Oh my God, he looks like me now. But forget about Saquon for a second. Let's go back to Daniel Jones, because I just have one thing to say, especially to you, Stephen, because you are an It's Always Sunny fan like me. David, you won't get it. But you know how. Science is a liar sometimes. Contracts are a liar sometimes. The average fan sees four years, $160 million, or $160 million, and they say, no way he's worth that. Ignore the number for a second. Do me a favor. Ignore the dollar amount. Start paying attention to the percentage of the cap hit. Because the percentage is the same now as it was 20 years ago. He is going to fall into the same range when teams reach or when they bring in a guy like Daniel Jones or keep him back. They're going to overpay. They're going to be in that 7 to 15 range of percentage. For instance, it's a huge number to hear 40 some odd million. But the highest percentage hit on the four-year deal, if he played all four years, which means he earned it, that last year's 18%. That is a high-end quarterback, but not an elite number. Like they, We are used to seeing back in the day when we were growing up when the cap was $150 million, 
and you would see a quarterback signed for 20 to 30. It would be, wow, he's not worth that at all. It is the market value, and it is going to always stay on that percentage. The percentage is the same. The number goes up. That simple. That's an awesome point. I'm not even going to lie. I never even looked at that. So I love that, Wally. That's big brain. And he's only, what, 8.3 this year. He drops up, hops up to 17, a little north of 17.5, drops back down to 14, and then that final year. I mean, yeah, you'll have to – you'll have to pay quote unquote a large percentage, but at the end of the day, where do you, where, where's a top end quarterback going? Are you going like 21 to 23% is what it's usually looking like or what? You're going to be around that North of 20 number. Like for instance, I'll pull up here in a second while I hear your guys' rebuttal, but I'll give you guys like a Patrick Mahomes number, but there's a reason why the chiefs are cutting Frank Clark why the Chiefs are not franchise tagging Orlando Brown. And it's because Patrick Mahomes is a quarter of their, their salary. I would be surprised if Patrick Mahomes is not in that 22 to 26% number. Well, while Wally's looking that up, we want you to know that this week's technological skills by Wally, as well as the NFL news is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, and more especially if you're our age, feels like there's a wedding, engagement, baby pictures, college graduations, you name it. Every weekend they are happening. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's A-B-B-E-Y or on her Instagram, saw dad and sapphire again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Pat Mahomes, what's that percentage of the, of the cap looking like? Cap Mahomes. Cap Mahomes is going to be worth 22.4% next year. And here's the thing to consider, too, is that when he signed that deal, the cap was lower. It is continuing to go up. So when Daniel Jones signs this deal that seems crazy in this moment, in three years, it's not going to be when the cap is $350 million instead of 310 or whatever it is right now. Well, then also when he's not on the roster. Also, That's yeah, it. that'll be a 0% cap hit on my quick math. So we don't have, we're not going to have a rapid fire here. That's why this NFL news is continuing. Uh, this isn't news. It's just a factoid that came out through the news. Joe Mixon is, in fact, an asshole, people. Um, I don't know if that is fact. That's just my own personal opinion. But he has been cited. He has – I don't know if he's been – has he been he's arrested? He's not a uh, – uh, what's it called? A suspect for, like like, criminal wrongdoing. I don't know if they're saying that he had rightful cause to shoot a 13-year-old Nerf gunning kid or if they're saying there's other foul play involved, but he's not going to jail again. It's two times in two months. Joe Mixon, he's got nine lives, people. He's a cat. He's a Bengal, all right. His sister was named the suspect in the shooting, which is great fall guy material. That's Chris Carter stuff right there. No shit. Great call, David. Yeah. Yeah. So allegedly the story is what there are some 13 year olds playing with Nerf guns, handguns, whatever, fake guns. And they took it. And then Joe Mixon or, or his sister, whoever, whoever it may be, uh, white copped it and just ran outside and decided to shoot, shoot at the kids. 11 rounds, by the way, 11 <laughs> rounds. It's not just shooting self-defense. You maybe fire three or four, 11 rounds is you shouldn't have a gun. No, no. And I, no. 
I stand by I stand by the white copped it because that is that's how ridiculous it is. First of all, where were they? Eleven shots when you get the subjects down, tar- like targets down. Eleven shots later, that's what I'm hearing. You don't even fire eleven shots in Call of Duty when you hover a target and don't actually hit them. Like, what is that? That's literally like the scene in Strange Wilderness. If you guys have seen that movie, have you guys seen that movie? Uh, Steve Zahn, Justin Long. I don't think I young, have. Young Jonah Hill. Anyway, it's, a, it's this movie about these idiots that are trying to recreate Steve Zahn's dad's nature show. So they're going out, they're trying to find Bigfoot. Sorry, spoiler if you haven't seen it. They find Bigfoot and he, they're outside of this cave and he comes out like confused because all he sees are, are people and cameras. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my God. And they just start whipping guns out like an AK comes out of nowhere. And they just start shooting the hell out of it so i'm assuming that's how that went down it's like at what point are you just like oh i need to stop this the thing is that if you're joe mixon it's got to almost be it's so self-sabotaging if it was him if he didn't do it he's got to be like i can't catch a break because this is three times in five years now that he has shown he is easily triggered to violence oklahoma we have him on tape punching a woman who called him a racial slur. So like, I'm not going to comment on whether or not he was justified, but you guys know that situation. Then earlier this year in 2023, he pulled a gun allegedly on a woman and threatened her life, drove off. Now he was closely involved in a child getting shot at 11 times. I think it was hit once in the leg. As far as I can tell, I think the kid is going to live from the whole report. So thank God for that. But that's three times in five years. It's like, at what point the, the expression is where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, there's smoke. It looks like East Palestine right now. <laughs> oh, come on. If it, if it's it right down the road, the it's NFL, too easy. any other league, I'd say he wouldn't play a single down again or a single play again but it's the nfl where you know greg Lost hardy, don't apply baby greg hardy gets six opportunities you know everyone everyone who doesn't have a have video evidence of the crime gets gets second and third opportunities i i i hope play again do i think he deserves it probably not but who am i to say samaj p ryan season baby come on here's my hot take is I don't think it's a foregone conclusion we do see him play again. I think had neither of these instances happened, there was a very real possibility that the Bengals moved on because his cap hit was too high. His cap hit would be around where Saquon's is that we just talked about. And Saquon, at this stage of his career, is significantly better than Joe Mixon. Who is going to sign Joe Mixon to a six or seven million dollar deal? And it might be higher than that. After everything that's happened in the last few months, I would rather draft a running back in the sixth round. You and me both. You and me both. But here's the thing is anyone, it might not be six million, but when he realizes that nobody wants him, it might be two million. It might be a Kareem Hunt deal. Is it worth it to you then? Because Kareem Hunt was still at a high level. Well, see, but Kareem Hunt also went in to be the, the, the bruiser, the second, you know, the second running back. I think that it would be. He if, probably if also he hates that Chubb was there too. He probably is disgusted he went to Cleveland. Most likely. 
but, uh, you know, he'll get another opportunity. It just might not be for the dollar amount that he thinks he deserves. I have this coined as David's Den because this next little segment, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts because we saw Andrew Barry in the Browns are restructuring Deshaun Watson's guaranteed contract to open up $33 million in cap space. First of all, we know that you are an Andrew or Andrew Barry stand to all levels. So, David, we've been hearing you talk plenty about the Browns' deficiencies on the interior defensive line. Is this money going to shore up that front seven and more specifically the defensive tackle position? I hope so. So, here's the thing for for those who don't know, Watson has a $46 million, uh, I think, base salary that's obviously fully guaranteed and a 50, I think it's a $55 million cap hit. With a, if you convert all of that into signing bonus and he's got a minimum salary of a million dollars, you signing bonus him at the 45 or whatever the difference is, that pushes 33 million of cap hit into future years but it would drop his current cap number to 21 million. So you just earned $33 million in cap, as Wally said. And with that freed up cap space, there are some free agent target rumors for the Browns. And a lot of it's super exciting, probably not going to happen, but you've got Javon Hargrave, who isn't me just saying that's a rumor. That's a real rumor that they're going after Javon Hargrave. There's a rumor they're going after CJ Gardner-Johnson. There's a rumor they're going after Yannick Ngakwe, or however you pronounce his name. I hope. No, you drilled that. It's you Yannick nailed Ngakwe. it. So, yep. and then Jesse Bates the third is a is a lower rumor, but they've always been interested in him while he's been on the Bengals. And then my low key favorite is Demarcus Walker off the Titans, who had I think eight and a half sacks this past year and is a solid run defender as a D tackle, but or as an edge, he might be a left edge. Either or good defensive linemen your trade targets are also interesting because you can afford the base salary cap now so hopkins brandon cooks Allen robinson who i think just got cut so he's more of a free agency target and then deforest buckner is a really interesting one too all of these guys become possibilities now that you've freed up that much cap space because you can work andrew barry's a magician with contracts and I say that not because we've converted Deshaun Watson's salary, but because of the way Deshaun Watson's contract is set up and all the other guys he signed. Deshaun Watson has – the Browns have right of passage to convert his salary into signing bonus whenever they want, however they want to do it. He's just guaranteed the full salary. So it, the Was that because that, of the guaranteed nature of the deal, or is that just They just worked in? it in. They just okay. worked it in. Okay. So they gotcha. knew, okay, we'll guarantee it, but every year we're just going to convert this to signing bonus so that we can free up cap space to sign whoever we want. And the same, it, the effect is still the same. The only difference is, is instead of getting a weekly check, now he gets a $44 million check in the mail or d- direct deposit, however he wants it. And... Uh, you know, it, you free up cap space. It's magician stuff, right? So if you go out and you sign one of these players, you work their contracts to be either two-year tryouts or to be, hey, heavy up front while we have this cap space. 
and then you know lower in the back end but oh by the way we only guaranteed so much so we can cut you after four years and we feel nothing no pain at all these are these are the the reasons i love andrew barry it's forget all the drafts just put it straight to you've got a harvard guy who actually understands the rules and takes advantage of them every step of the way i it's it's amazing and not a lot of people do it there are some gms who are really good at it and there are a lot of gms who just kind of understand the basics and roll with it from there i i will stand andrew barry all day long but at the end of the day the whole all the questions you asked me right it is all about getting better on the defensive line maybe adding a receiver target and definitely getting better in the secondary and mostly at safety you mentioned Jesse Bates at safety. He'd be an immediate replacement for John Johnson. I know Bengal fans have already been talking about the disgust level of him going there, but it does feel like, I mean, this is an AFC North that feels geared to all four teams really go for it. I wouldn't be surprised at all that you see the Steelers go after a guy like Orlando Brown, sure up that offensive line. They all of a sudden, George Pickens looks like a, a real number one. Kenny Pickett, jury's still out. I think he's going to be a solid quarter. Anyways, we're going off, uh, off track. But you just mentioned, too, Andrew Barry. He's one of these smart guys that knows how to do it. You are having this, like, wild, wild west showdown with him and Sashi Brown in Baltimore over the Lamar Jackson contract stuff. And both of them really have played it flawlessly. I, I don't have a, a, a really a ton to suggest right now other than you would imagine – a lot of money of the available money would have to go defensively because you're betting on Deshaun Watson taking a step forward, being the quarterback that you saw 800 days ago and not the quarterback we saw 100 days ago. I, why not? I Defensively, I think David is, has definitely put his heart on his sleeve about the positions that he wants. But why not? I think y'all need a receiver. Right, you can run the ball as much as you want, but what DPJ is like your number one right now? Amari, like, baby, come on! Oh yeah, exactly. Respect. You got Amari. Pair him up with somebody. I'd like well, the D-hop, the thing. You don't need the to go D-hop out and get reunion. You don't need to go out and get somebody because you just got a cons- compensatory third round pick. No, I no, I agree. But I'm saying if, if D Hop, a reunion with D Hop is possible. Brandon Cooks, I don't know if maybe Houston would want to deal again. That's um, a great Cleveland. call, Stephen. Well, that's the, this is what this is David's list. So, but Allen Robinson, maybe I think if out of all of these people, at least from from the outside looking in, give me Defoe, give me D Hop. If you can get Javon Hargrave, boom, rest of it draft. See, I'm with no, and maybe Jesse Bates if you can get him at cheap. I, safety safety numbers are weird sometimes. It just sucks because we talked on Monday about how this safety class is terrible. So you bring in a guy like Jesse Bates is almost like a three-year Band-Aid. You give him one of those three-year $50 million deals, and you just basically say, we'll draft the safety next year, kind of do what the Bengals did. We'll draft Daxton Hill and say, we're going to work him in after Jesse. But the Brandon Cooks, I gave you credit, Stephen. It was both of you. I like that move a lot more than DeAndre Hopkins one, just because we're starting to kind of feel a little tail off on D hop and the value might not necessarily be there where Brandon cooks, there hasn't been a team that has moved on from, there's not been a bad word. 
It's been the weirdest thing about he's got one of the strangest careers we've seen in the NFL. Most disrespected receiver ever. Most disrespected, consistent thousand yard receiver. And that's coming with the with D Hop in the conversation because he's right there next to him. You're right. And it's just like frustrating for him because I understood last year. I felt like almost people were annoyed with him because he decided to sit out after the trade or a lack of a trade. But what do you want this guy to do? He's been treated like a bag of bones for six, seven years now. You're contractually obligated here. You're going to play if you play for the Houston Texans. We've been been running this river since 03, 03, 02. I don't know. Well, Well, the Browns could get him for nothing. It'd be like it would take a second round pick to get Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, when he's Maybe when he gets the targets, Maybe. he's a thousand yard receiver, but he does it in like I don't know eighty receptions, which puts his average at like fourteen yards per reception, which is actually alarmingly high for a guy who's getting eighty plus receptions. It's and a guy who's like five eight as a number. He's a he's a slightly slightly poor man, Steve Smith. There's no way that dude should have the production that he does, and he all he does is go somewhere have a thousand yard seasons and leave and they trade him. Well, and he obviously played with Brady and Drew Brees and that's great. But then he put up the same numbers with Jared Goff with Deshaun Watson for one year. And then whatever the Texans have thrown out since. So it's not like he's doing this just with elite quarterback play. He's doing it with a lot of others. And I just mentioned he played with Watson. Why wouldn't you want to go back to a quarterback that you have a rapport with? I think Brandon Cooks is a home run for whoever gets him. He's only 29, mind you, too. We went from David's Den to Stephen Sadness. Aaron Suffrage. Suffrage. I like that, too, the suffrage movement. So... Aaron Rodgers is getting actively recruited by the Jets players, by Jets ownership, by Jets family members. It feels like it's a very obvious it's the Jets or he's coming back. Where are you at right now? Do you think there's a a realistic shot that Rodgers is back in green and gold next year? No, I think it's all but all but done. For him, uh, well, it's all but official that he's done in Green Bay right now. There's just he goes into this darkness retreat. The first thing he does is meeting with. I don't. I haven't seen any stories. I haven't seen anybody read anywhere from the insiders on Twitter of him actually speaking with Green Bay yet. So this is this move was just for quote unquote for him to do his due diligence. Yeah, he's not talking with the team that currently holds his contract, and he's on here. There's there's stories I've seen now. This is. This is from a Jets page that the Packers and Jets have worked on what the agreement for a trade would be, but not necessarily stating that the trade is going to go through. They just said, if, if there is a trade based off whatever Aaron decides, if he doesn't want to retire, if he wants to stay in green Bay, or if he does want to end up getting traded, we already have everything in place. We're just waiting for his word. So I think he's all but done, but I'm comforted. You know why? Because now I get to move in. It's not like Green Bay has a bad roster. They have a bad roster for Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. They don't have a bad roster for a rebuilding team. They have a their defense is full of first round picks. You have potential promise with two young wide receivers that you got in the draft last year. You can finally put to bed the Jordan Love. 
then this is my mindset. Also, another thing I was talking about with Dylan on the car ride today from picking up, uh, picking up and Paula is it's kind of the same thing with Bayheim, but it's opposite for me. It's like we either have Aaron Rodgers and he doesn't win a Super Bowl, and then we will just probably bitch and complain, but it's our quarterback, or he goes to the New York Jets and just doesn't win a Super Bowl. He is not going to win a Super Bowl because of the AFC. That's what the most comforting thing is for me. Load him up. You know why? It, there's so much talk about Aaron Rodgers and how talented he is and how he can never get there. Yet the last like three or four years talks about how Aaron Rodgers doesn't perform in the spotlight. And when he does have a little bit of adversity, he shrinks and goes to his guys. So you're going to put this guy who didn't want to take time to build relationships with young, promising rookie wide receivers that in theory could be your last. Two, these are your guys to take on your last two raw. No, you're going to go to New York to go build relationships with young wide receivers but you're probably not going to feel like you don't want to because you're only here for a couple of years. It doesn't make sense to me, right? It might, it might, is that too biased of me to say that all of it said just doesn't make sense or go to that gauntlet, have fun in your own division, let alone the whole conference, dude, have at it, Aaron. I'm just, now I'm just, I'm out of the, I'm backing it up because he's an asshole, but he's my asshole too. Just get out, man. Just get out because you're not going to lead us to a Super Bowl. The team you're going to, unless Pat Mahomes gets hurt. They need a replacement for you, and you go to Kansas City. That's the only way I see winning a Super Bowl. And the easiest way to at least get to a Super Bowl is where you're at right now. I but think to each his own. Time is a flat circle. So, first of all, 15 years ago, this week, Brett Favre was traded to the New York Jets. And Aaron Rodgers, at this stage of his career, with everything that's going on, if I am a Green Bay Packers fan, I say, see you later. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. We'll, we'll reconvene in five years. You'll get your gold jacket. We'll all be happy. You can get your name in the ring of honor. It's great. But I'm done with this noise. This is not a guy, this is not a team that's in a position to win a Super Bowl right now. So why not see what you have in Jordan Love? And on top of that, I, I just don't understand. No, not that I don't understand. What if I'm the Packers? It's you don't necessarily have the leverage right now. But if you're gonna get back, even if it's a first round pick next year and like a third this year, why not try to actively build up your your draft picks, your ammunition? Because even if Love isn't the guy. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the 2024 NFL draft, and you can move up with a King's ransom if you keep acquiring these picks from an Aaron Rodgers trade. Why not? What you've made me realize is that terrible people go to play for the New York Jets. Yep. That's, that's all I took from this entire discussion. Well, think about it. The Jets, I mean, when is the last time they've had a quarterback really worth the shit it might honestly be brett Favre before he got hurt in that year that chad he was pennington. There. yeah was... chad pennington was very good i like chad pennington also do you think of him more as a jet or a, a dolphin i would say jet but yeah without a doubt okay i kind of forget i always forget he was he was in uh in miami of, uh who was it mark sanchez yeah mark sanchez is a clear choice Vinny testaverde like... Vinny no. T. 
Vinny God, I remember I was in Carolina when they took him out of retirement for like eight weeks. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> he's 40, like 43. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I think Vinny's like played in like five now. years. Yeah, he's like 93 right now, I want to say. David, you had a name. Were you going to say somebody like a Jets quarterback or are you done? Oh, I was going to say the Dolphins quarterback I think about is like. Oh, oh Dolphins Moore. quarterback. Oh, I wonder who it could oh, be. I, no, no, no. It's like the, the era of shitty Dolphins quarterbacks, like the Dante Culpeppers and David Garrards after he left. Like I forgot about David Garrard. Wasn't there a more? Something more? Matt Moore, baby. Matt Moore. He died in Pittsburgh. That sucked. Wait, he on the died. sidelines. He's yeah. dead. No, oh, no. I mean, he died on the football field. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, since when? No, no he I, took like a 20 yard sack. And the Dolphins yeah. had a Browns esque run of quarterbacks from nine from 1999 until probably Tannehill, and then Tannehill wasn't even good there. And he just tore his ACL over you. Wow, that's a fun game. Can you name quarterbacks for the Dolphins between? Marino and Tua Tagovailoa. Actually, yeah. between him I, and Brady. I think I could name half. I think I could name half. See, I have Pennington. I have more. Henny. Oh, Pepper's a good one. Ooh, Chad was Henny. Chad Henny was there? Okay. Henny, uh, Pepper. Oh, God. Do Are we going to count the uh, um, Wildcat so we can say Ricky Fitz Williams Patrick. and feel good about ourselves? Fitz Magic was there. Helmet. Ooh, yeah, I mean, Fitzmagic was everywhere in the league, so that doesn't count. Oh, it's an easy win, all right? <laughs> well, let's go into our last thing today. I know that we've been rambling. It's been a fun episode, though. I imagine that you guys at home are having fun, too. It's high energy in the gym day. But compensatory picks, they're out. And I want your guys' thoughts because we got to First see. First of all, what is a compensatory pick? Great question, Stephen. I really am Explain happy to Explain to ask. me like I'm a fifth grader and act like I didn't ask this exact same question before recording. <laughs> so if you lose certain players in free agency in, in uh, a way like restricted free agents, or if you are losing coordinators or a head coach and things like that are vultured, the league will give you a compensatory pick. How they decide the rounds, I would have to do more research. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I did not. But there are teams like, for instance, like the 49ers, they had four for players and three for coordinators that they've lost. They have the most this year at seven picks. That's an absurd number. The next highest is four with the Rams. David, you and I were having a little fun before we got on here. You noticed a couple things. I'll let you talk about one. And I'll talk about the other. What do you want to talk about? The San Francisco 49ers have three third round compensatory picks and that is alarming because third rounders are extremely valuable and I would happily take three third rounders for the Browns any day of the week that's kind of scary I didn't realize they were going to get so compensated in the offseason I mean I think they have seven picks overall and they're already an elite team and that allows them to build cheap contracts when they're going to start losing these guys I'm actually the, – the other team we were to say, I'll just get out of the way so we don't have to talk about because I want to come back to the Niners. The Chiefs getting three because you're losing guys like Bianami. I'm sure that there's a couple other names that I'm just, like, spacing out on. That's crazy to me that a, a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl champion is going to get all these teams. But here's the thing. Now you have a 49ers team who before today – 
Their first pick was a fifth rounder. Now they have three third rounders. And you factor in next year's picks too. They're losing Mike McGlinchey. They're losing a starting right tackle. So I was sitting here and I'm looking at this board and I'm wondering why not package a couple threes in a pick next year and go up into the first round or hell, even don't spend as much and go up into the second round. There are a list of good tackles this year. This draft is loaded at the outside of the offensive line. Paris Johnson will be gone way before. Skaronsky, I don't like his arms. I mentioned that the other day. But you have guys like Broderick Jones, the walking solar eclipse in Dewan Jones at Ohio State. You have Darnell Wright at Tennessee. There's so many guys that you can move up for. Why not package these deals? Go up, really solidify this offensive line and look out because the 49ers are right back where they were last year. But that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Lost Down. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Loss of Down, and our Twitter at Down underscore Loss. We're making it a point to send more tweets out there, more Facebook posts, more Instagram posts, more YouTube posts. So really go out there, prop us up. It'll help us. It'll help you. And we really, really, really appreciate it. But remember, this is also brought to you by Abby Turner Creative. So David... I'll throw it to you before I get back to Steven. Do you have any parting words for us today? I do not. This was You're always great, great at these. You're always uh, great just, at the end I, of these. I just, it, I'm short and sweet. You are. And I understand at the end of these, I feel physically exhausted. I'm sure you guys do too, where my brain's in a pretzel and trying to figure all this stuff out. The only final thought I have before we go to Steven is the NFL Black Friday game. Maybe this is going to turn into something. I don't know. I used to really like Fridays because you get college football rivalry games in. But now Amazon is actually going to have this game, and it's not even going to be behind a paywall. So you don't need to pay money to watch this game, and you add another standalone game for us to talk about. I'm very, very fired up about that. We'll be back next week. We'll talk plenty of free agency things. And who knows? Maybe your favorite team has a new favorite player.